0: Should act like men, and light beer should taste like beer. Uh, light beer, please.
1: Sure. Do you care how it tastes? No, nah, I don't care how it tastes. Okay. Well, when you start caring, put down your purse, and I'll give you a Miller Lite. Continuing.
2: I don't care. I just got one of these. Well, that's the second unmanly thing you've done today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Whoa. Oh, that's not a Miller Lite. Oh, light beer, is light beer. Um, no, Miller Lite has more taste. I strike two. One more,
4: I'm taking your man card. <laughs> Happy Brews Day Tuesday, everybody. I'm Ashley Powers. And I'm Caroline
0: King. And you're listening to Bitch Beer. What we want to do here at Bitch Beer is shine a light on the women who brew, market, distribute, serve, and love beer in the hopes that their stories will inspire the women and men who haven't taken the plunge. Craft beer doesn't have to be scary. Very rarely will you come across a gatekeeping hipster
4: who asks questions like a troll who quizzes your nerd knowledge once he sees you in a Star
0: Wars shirt. But why isn't it more openly female-friendly? Craft beer ads are rife with burly men lugging 50-pound bags of hops, and women make cameos as eye candy. To those on the outside, especially women, it can feel like a boys' club where no level of disguise will get us in.
4: We hope by the end of this season you feel not only welcome but unabashedly unafraid to drink craft. It's officially fall, bitch beer band, and it's time to crank up the A.C. so that it's cold enough to snuggle under a blanket with an autumn ale that doesn't taste like raw pumpkin
0: pie filling. I mean, but pumpkin's amazing, so... Okay, so I'm obviously the basic one. But anyways, one of the first beer that comes to mind is Red Headed Haley Amber Ale, brewed by none other than Eventide Brewing, located downtown Atlanta near Grant Park. This week, we sat down with three lovely ladies of this fine
4: establishment. Haley Cowan, original founder and owner, current sales director... Taylor Martin, former tasting room and events manager, current sales and brand that you will hear on
0: air, and Sarah Buckner, marketing and communications manager. You're going to hear the word family used a lot, and we don't think we've seen a closer knit group than this brewery. Take a listen for yourself. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, We're sitting here with Haley, uh, Sarah, and Taylor from Eventide Brewing. If you ladies wanna just introduce yourselves
4: and say what you do here at Eventide. Hi, I'm Haley. I am one of the original founders
3: and owners at Eventide. My current role is a little bit in the background, but I function as our sales director or consultant to our sales manager out in the
2: market. Um, My name's Taylor Martin. I am currently the tasting Room and Events Manager, and I am moving into um, sales and brand management. Brand
3: today look out world today oh,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> <Congratulations>. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> and i am sarah buckner and i am the marketing and communications manager so i kind of just like float around the periphery and
0: promote and make us look awesome yep 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 nice um so if y'all want to go into your experience in the beer industry and um talk about your backgrounds and how it kind of led you into the beer industry.
3: So my background is as a chemist. And when Jeffrey and Nathan, which are two of our other founders and owners started home brewing, there was some need for water quality adjustments. And so I kind of came in when we were talking about hard water. What do we add? We got some water profiles from um, the County and did a little bit of math and worked that out as what we needed. And that was, aside from being a taste tester, that was kind of where my um, role initially came from. But I do have to say, tasting the beer was probably my um, you know, Touch true up. love at that time. <laughs> and through being home brewers, it, it eventually turned into something that was, we recognized beyond a passion and a hobby and something we actually wanted to pursue as a business, which awesome. is, what so brings cool. us here super
0: cool oh, that's awesome
2: um i bartended at a really high volume bar in charlotte and Ooh. all of a sudden there was something other than Michelob ultra for me to gain my fre- my well my senior 15 20 um <laughs> and i left that bar and started managing bars in charlotte and there's this i mean north carolina has a huge craft scene and it did early on because their laws are so different than the ones in georgia and then i moved to georgia And I hosted a beer dinner for Eventide around the time that they, within their launch year. Um, And I met Haley and Nathan and Jeffrey at this beer dinner. And um, Haley was like, maybe you should come work for us. And I said, I don't think so. (laughs) And then Haley said, all right. And then a couple months later, Haley said, hey, can you just come look at this space and give us your professional opinion because you've helped plan and open bars before? And I said, absolutely. And I walked in this door and, they're, and this room was empty at the time. And this, and, well, the wall was still up, I think. And there was, they're sitting at an eight-foot folder, which I now use for weddings. And <laughs> like, in a round, her, like, round table situation. And they're like, and we have your resume in front of us, by the way. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. Really? <laughs> and then, but it, it was like that feeling. Because I knew them already. Mm-hmm. Was, oh, I met, it was Matt was there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just like kind of hung out and talked for a couple hours. And
1: now I'm here. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Nice. So mine is not that exciting. Um, I worked for Taylor. No, I worked for you like five or six years ago at a restaurant um, on the west side. Mm -hmm. And I moved away for a few years and I moved back and she was like, hey, we kind of need some help in the tasting room. I see that you're back. Um, Here's this job description that I wrote do you want this job?
2: (laughs) But I wrote it for her in the same way that Haley wrote the job description for this space for me. We're we're handcrafted, literally.
1: We pick who we want within our bubble. So, I mean, I walked in and had a beer and I was like, Sure. <laughs> Why not? And that was almost two years ago. Yeah, but you were in Colorado and that you had some great beer out there when you were Oh there. yeah, but I lived in a really tiny town in Colorado and like because of the snow didn't leave it often. <laughs> so we had a really a finite selection. Yeah, when
3: I very first met Taylor, I came back to A meeting with the guys and I said, I feel like someone has given me the golden ticket to the city. I get to go to all of these accounts and meet all of these people that are super enthusiastic about what's going on in Atlanta and in the craft beer scene that I probably would not get to see because they primarily live behind the scenes. And I said, I've got our next, got our next person. And it took probably a year and a half to actually get her here. But
2: Success. Yes. So weird, too, because this was, like, at the time, I mean, and still, it's, like, my dream job, but it was, like, that was what I was working for, was to be an event manager at a brewery. That's, like, mm-hmm. why, why I left Charlotte, to come here, and, and and then all of a sudden, I think, you know, like, the imposter syndrome. I don't know if y'all have, like, been oh, reading about it, you know? 100%. And I was, and in my, it just was not, it couldn't be that. Yeah. Because it was too real, and that's what I was working towards. And I was, like, what do I do now? I hit it. Jackpot. <laughs>
4: Yeah, So how did Eventide get started? How long have you guys been opened? I know it's, it's sort of based on friendship, right?
3: So we definitely would say that we were founded out of friendship. Jeffrey and Nathan and I all went to Georgia Southern together, we met. In late 2000, maybe early 2001. And then, uh, through another good friend that has been our friend equally as long as we've all been friends, we met Matt, who was our fourth founder of Eventide. And so it definitely was. Um, out of friendship that we got to where we are today. But as far as the interest in craft and what facilitated that, Jeffrey had moved out west, and or Midwest, Texas rather, and was trying a lot of West Coast beers. And Nathan and I had moved to South Florida and were trying a lot of, it was around the time that um, the Total Wines of the world would let you make your own mix pack so you weren't limited by going in and spending $14 on four beers that you may or may not like you actually got mm-hmm. the sample and we had a good friend who had lived just outside of Asheville and knew craft products really well and so with Jeffrey out kind of Midwest sampling products and then Nathan and I in Florida having somebody that knew the lay of the land in the craft world we really started gaining exposure and that was around 2006 and then if you fast forward to 2009 we all ended up living in Atlanta together on the same street, about four houses apart. And then our other friend who introduced us to Matt um, also moved to Atlanta. And so we kind of, um, we all used to joke that we were the three musketeers, but we were all back together. And so it was time for mischief to happen. (laughs) And um, just sitting around over beers, Jeffrey and Nathan kind of had the thought that this stuff is great. This stuff is expensive. Somebody made it why can't we make it and cut the cost? And Mm -hmm. so they joined some homebrew clubs, um, Chicken City L Raisers and a couple of other ones, bought some homebrew equipment. And Nathan's background being an engineer decided that there was not a system out there that was sufficient for him that he wanted to um, make his own. And so he made a one-to-one scalable system for what we have here. Wow. That's really impressive. That's um, amazing. we started home brewing and the first thing that we ever brewed was a um, pale ale clone, two-hearted. Not a pale ale, it was a two-hearted clone Um, and it was really fantastic and really similar to what we had been buying off the shelves and we started deciding then that maybe we actually maybe we actually could do it for more than just fun and saving
4: a little bit of money
0: that's awesome i love i love that that is such a cool it. story
4: <laughs> so um if someone's never been to eventide before what beer would you start them with oh i'm her, like who, her, all where all are we all looking um, <laughs> of are really good, but. Uh, when
2: when out-of-towners i typically like well res- like out-of-towners don't know us um we're known for the kolsch mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's our bread and butter um and also just just like if you go like on the scale of how your palate is weighted always the kolsch um but my go-to is the pale ale. and nice. and if someone's like i like just like beer i just the pale is perfect I think the pale is perfect.
3: One of the things that was our goal in establishing what our brand portfolio would look like was that we wanted to be the the bridge to craft. So for all of your mainstream drinkers out there, how could we get you moved from a mainstream pilsner into the craft segment without scaring you off with something that was hoppy and robust and very dank and forward? And really for us, that was where the Kolsch came in. So it's a very easy drinking beer, um, kind of our transition to craft. And so when we talk about where it fits in our portfolio, that's how we reference it. And when I meet people at beer festivals that have never had a beer or they drink some of your more um, lighter offerings, and it tends to be the culture that We gravitate toward, Um, and surprisingly, we have a lot of wine drinkers that really, really love Mm -hmm. the pale ale, and it's because of that kind of citrus and piney background that you get from it.
0: It is, I can definitely tell that. That's that's a really good one. One of my friends who really likes wine, the last time that we were here, y'all gave us some beer, and I brought it to a pool party directly after, and it was immediately so popular. That's the best <laughs> day. It was, was a great day. Oh, it was awesome. And then we went to the Atlanta United game after that. I'm sorry, pie pool and Atlanta yep. United? Yep. I was hoping can we another P. <laughs> oh, that needs to be a thing. Party. Pie. Party. Yeah,
1: pie pool. Party? Yep. Yeah. All right. What's this? No, that was...
0: <laughs> <soccer>. <laughs> that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends, she loves She loves like Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay. And, and pale ale. And she tried the pale <laughs> ale, and it was so funny. She loved it. She's like, this is actually delicious. I'm like, yeah.
2: <laughs> Good. She <Or> tried
3: beer. <laughs> several times at the beer and wine festivals over the years, you have particularly a female audience that are more geared toward, I'm just here for the wine, I'm just here for the wine, and we can reel them in more often than not on either the A- or the pale ale just because of the, the citrus profiles. So I find that that's an easy transition for those women that are interested in craft, but rather stay with their wine.
4: Yeah. Well, you were telling us off mic that um, you renovated the space that it was very like 70s office. What made you choose this part of town? And like, what was your idea for this space and how it feels? Cause it's, it feels very homey and very like so cool. pull up a chair and like have a beer. Thank you. That
3: was (laughs) was the underlying goal of the space, for it to be kind of beer garden-esque, but also the gathering place. So each of um, the original founders are all from very, very small towns in South Georgia. Like I grew up in a town that has about 10,000 people. Jeffrey grew up in a town that has significantly less than that. And Nathan grew up in Conyers when it was a very rural area Mm -hmm. then and then matt grew up just outside of athens and so really when we thought about what we wanted the space to embody and the type of community that we wanted to be in we were looking for something that felt like home we were looking for the community where the the cliche saying of everybody knows your name and so we looked at a lot of different pockets around the city and when we started exploring Grant Park. We realized that they had a lot of foot traffic. There was a a lot of people around our age group and just kind of a similar demographic to us and um, kind of the movers and shakers, if you will, the people that, but also the people that had interest in craft and revitalization of old craft efforts. Um, And that was primarily our reason for picking this place was because it felt like home and it was a community that we felt like we could grow in and a community that would grow with us.
0: Um, so, what's it like starting a business with your friends? <laughs> um,
2: be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Tell us everything. So, your friends n- are boys. Nothing, <laughs> it's nothing
3: like I expected in everything that I knew it would be. Um, the great thing about the business partners that I have is that we we started out as friends, but we function more like family. And when you function more like family, that means it's the good, the bad, the ugly, the nitty gritty, you're all in it together, but no one ever walks away because you're blood. And while we're not blood, we all approach our business relationships with that same That same level of kind of intimacy that you get in a family where they will fight for you as quick as they will tell you that you're wrong. And in fact, each time we get a new employee, I walk through here and I say, welcome to the Eventide family. And I don't know that a lot of them know what that means because I'm not here a whole lot on the day-to-day basis, but it truly is a family. And if we can't walk in and speak to you like we would our family, if that means building you up or even... um, kind of giving you some constructive criticism in a way that you can easily handle because we truly do love you as a part of our family and want you to grow in this business with us, then it's not really the place for you because we
4: we do care about our staff and our business. That's awesome. So you were talking about the day-to-day. What is day-to-day at Eventide like for each of you? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> My day-to-day
3: at Eventide is... Very minimalist. Um, by day, I'm a pediatric oncology pharmacist, so I spend time um, in a hospital. but periodically, I have phone calls and emails and things that I have to field because I, of serving as the consultant for our sales manager and sales team. So there's a lot of things that I pick up on during the day, just you know walking down the hallway responding to emails. So it's less now that we've been in business. Um, for coming up on five years, I mm-hmm. um, actually have been an open production facility for five years. So five years ago, my role looked a lot different than it does today. But today it's minimal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> every day is so different. Um, the only constant is Monday. And so every Monday around Nathan gets here on 7, I get here at 7.30, Sarah gets in around 7.38. <laughs> Sometimes we reverse. Um, and everybody else strolls in around 8.25 for our 8.30 meeting because, you know, five minutes prep is fine. And then we have a meeting until about 9.30, and that's where we sort out our week and, and kind of see what our goals are but or what we're going to do. And it's never what we say we're going to do because this business is so – we're so busy. Mm-hmm. It's so – It's so interesting. It's, I don't know. It's hard. And it's hard for me because I'm transitioning to this different role where, like, this is my baby and now I'm losing my baby. I'm not losing my baby, it's just, like, hard for me. Yeah, Your baby's Um, going to college. My baby's going to college. And I'm empty nesting. (laughs) I'm empty nesting. Um, I don't know. I answer a lot of emails. I talk to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of concerns because we, up and, before um, SB 85 passed, we were... We had to supplement the income, like almost every other brewery that was open at the time did with private events. Yeah. And we became a wedding venue. Yeah. and And we, like strong wedding venue, like we're booked through December and it's really hard now because we've done like a test run for the summer of what it's like to only be a bar on Saturdays. Yeah. And the people are like, why aren't you open on Saturday nights and you, like for the rest of the year? And we will be, but... So like because we're ramping up for wedding season, it's a lot of like engagement with those clients, um, and then just like running support and like doing day to day maintenance of um, I don't know
1: of things breaking and needing things. It's just a really fluid position. They yeah. all are like all of the positions sort of like cross lines, and there's a lot of Talking. interdepartmental support. Yeah, we like go so, outside um, about every hour and a half and sure. talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's our meeting place, the picnic table. Sarah works over there. Oh, this is my entire office, this whole room. This is <laughs> so, huge. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it just
1: depends on where I want
0: to sit each day. I work, I work in the closet. 80 seats to choose from. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Nice.
0: And, I mean, I can – like, this is a beautiful venue. Like, so I, yeah, I can see why it would be booked through December because I would want to get married here.
1: And the transformations this room makes, too, are, are just really cool. They're fun to watch, especially based on, like, what each – Bride or groom or whoever, whatever they want. It's 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 pretty cool. I think when I first started, I was like, right, I don't get it. And then <laughs> like three months in, I was like, Can I, yeah, am I getting
2: married? <laughs> <laughs> That's she, yeah, she, she's like, I'm getting married here. I remember
3: seeing. i been dating
1: anyone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing photos of our first wedding in the space and just being amazed that somebody. I mean, when we walk into the space, we had a vision for it to be. a a tasting room and something that was welcoming but to walk into the space and see somebody else's vision come to life in the form of a wedding venue it was that's um, gorgeous it was really really cool to see um just kind of that transformation. We even have our lovely lights mm-hmm. as um,
0: so they were gifted, yeah. gifted to us from abroad. That's yeah. awesome. That's stayed. actually a great gift. And Those lights are expensive, so yeah, that's a that's a good gift. They got married
2: here. I married them, and yeah. then and then he's marrying me on the first of September. That is that's so fun. Incredible. That's so and up, they're like our, yeah, like our congratulations, very close yes. friends.
3: Even Todd is with oh, our. Um, we did a lifetime <laughs> membership promotion in order to fund the build-out of the Tasting Room, did a Kickstarter campaign, and offered up 10, 20 lifetime memberships? The first
2: round round was 20, and then the second round was 10, and then in addition to that, there were the private event ones, too.
3: And Um, so through that, we had opportunities to host a private event in the space, which is where some of our... Um, weddings came from, but also through these lifetime memberships. These are people that have also become Eventide family. That is so um, cool. And so they're here all the time. We know their dogs. We know their children. We know their like. We know where they live in the neighborhood. We support their businesses and support ours. So um, the tasting room was also built by the community in in that Kickstarter support. So it's got a, it's got a lot of love in it. Mm
0: -hmm. That's awesome. That's, I was going to say that's lovely. So, (laughs) 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 Um, so what advice would y'all give um, any women that are thinking about getting into the beer industry?
3: I think at the, the ownership level, it's, it's very important to find a mentor, um, which is probably easier now than it was in 2009 when we first started this dream Um, because there weren't very many women in the beer industry at that point. In fact, um, there was only one that I knew of and that was at New Belgium and I sent multiple, multiple emails to Kim to say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. We're um, looking at starting a brewery and Obviously, if you're a CEO of a brewery that size, you don't really have enough time to respond to um, little girls from South Georgia who are trying to ask you questions about opening a business. (laughs) Hey,
4: Bill Gates, can you help me start my
3: (laughs) computer software company? Exactly. Um, And so I'd love to say that she wrote me back and gave me all of this wonderful advice. But truly, my mentors in the business came from GALS, the Georgia Ellen Lager Sirens, So Jennifer O'Connell and... Kim Carey they had started this women's beer interest group if you will and as we were starting down the road I joined up with them and they really kind of guided me not through much not so much through the business ownership aspects but how to talk beer how to understand beer and once you have that background and that understanding you really can enter the playing field with any of the contenders and carry on a conversation and it's the the beer industry itself is a very welcoming and opening industry open industry and so if you can talk the talk you can walk the walk as well so they (laughs) um, they were kind of instrumental in getting me there so I would definitely say find a group of mentors not just one find find a whole women um, support group for the day-to-day life in the beer world. And And if you can't find it, build it.
1: Build it.
2: I never really think about – Kim Carey is, like, the beer boss. Like, she really is. And Uh, she's she's an intense personality, but she's, like – It's the
3: attorney in her. She's a
2: beer badass. It's – when we first – again, when we first opened, like, we would have these groups come in, not with product, because that was illegal. But (laughs) (laughs) um, she – it's so interesting how she can just, like, kind of command a crowd, and she's so knowledgeable, and she just speaks so well. I haven't seen her in a really long time. Anyway, um, my advice would be uh, just be confident because um, it, it's a male-dominated industry. I mean, you walk into a guild meeting, and it's, like...
3: But Nancy Na- well, is the yeah, president of the guild. N- well, it's, it's, it's Randa. It, it's
2: Nancy and then Carly and and... Like, this is a couple of years ago, but yeah. I, I have, we only I only been to, like, a couple of guild meetings this year. But it's just not, it's not a female-dominant industry. And in the beginning, it was just like, oh, I'm really intimidated by all these men. A lot of them are large. And you're like, this is just a group of large With men. With beards. Large just bearded men. <laughs> large men. Um, has a type. And, like, it's an, it can be intimidating to, like, have an opinion or or, you know. Just say or put your foot down or do a thing. Yeah.
1: I, had, I just have never really thought that much about being a woman in the industry because we, I don't know, like here specifically, it's supportive regardless and like you're listened to and heard regardless of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's never something that I put a lot of thought into until recently well, I because didn't. everyone's like, oh, women in the beer industry. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. I mean, it's totally male dominated, but here it's just a totally level playing field. And if you have something to say, then you're heard no matter what.
3: I'd have to agree with Sarah. I mean, in having male business partners and then even a male dominated distributor partner, um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the in-house was very supported because they are my friends and they are my family. Um, but when you moved outside of who we are as a company, it's really when you kind of see some of the stark differences. And it's certainly not that you aren't heard or respected. Um, I think that, I think that the industry has come a long way in that regard. Um, yeah. And particularly in my role as sales, even walking into those meetings with the distributors, a lot of their sales force are female. So I think a lot of my experiences come from the role that I was in at the time, that it was, it was just an easily accepted role because that's what people were familiar with. Um, it just happened to be that I was also a founder and an owner, um, so I got to wear those extra hats.
4: <laughs> so Caroline, in my first uh, experience in this <clears> space, <throat> space was um, you guys were nice enough to invite us to your pies and pints pairing, oh which I so I've, I've been to, to a pairing event before, but I was floored at just how well each and every beer went with each slice of pie. Like it was yeah. crazy, crazy good. <laughs> like the things like they were bringing things out of one another. It was. It was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
1: Taylor and Kyle really knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah. Kyle. Way to go. That was so fucking good. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, like, and oh, so we got that. in here and it was like, it was vegan. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that blew my mind. It was vegan. Oh my God. That
1: blew my mind. Quick plug for Tinkertown Pies. They're mm. phenomenal. Everything that they do is, and they're just so relaxed about everything. They're like, yeah, we made some pies today. You want to come get some? Like, it's just whatever. Kyle, Kyle's a good man. Yeah. They're great.
4: So, what sort of events um, do you like hosting here?
1: Uh, I, I, I was like, all, uh, all the ones I, with all the people.
3: I I particularly enjoy the events that we have wall to wall people, where like the you anniversary just party. like our our anniversary <laughs> parties, um, the, the scavenger hunt the happened around st patrick's day the leprechaun hunt ones that just packed the house are the ones that i love because as an owner you kind of get to stand back in the corner and kind of have this moment of we did this we did this because there's certainly been times over the years that we've asked can we do this mm-hmm. can we can we draw the line in the sand and cross it. And so it's in those moments where you're able to look at a packed house of people raising their glasses and enjoying the time and the space and really feel like you might have made it. <laughs> you might be, you might just be on the cusp of achieving it. Um, you know, and then there's always something to knock you back down. <laughs> but um, those are truly the events that I love, the ones that that pack the house and give you that sense of accomplishment that people truly do enjoy being in the space that you envisioned and created. Mm-hmm. Drinking the product that your best friends made for the market. So there's something to be said about that.
2: What are your favorites? My favorites? Yeah, because you're not really like, you don't love running events. No, so I don't. So I, I love, <laughs> <laughs> so <no. laughs>
1: I, will, I will go ahead and say that. I'm, but like, what, are your, what are your favorites? After working some events with you, I was like, I don't ever want <laughs> um, I get bossy because stuff's got to get done. You have to. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just am like, I would it's rather very chill. Like, talk to people. And um, I like the interactive events like the pint and pie or like the scavenger hunt because it brings people in and they're like really excited about doing something and being, you're not just there for a bottle release or like there for a beer release and you're like, cool, I tried it. and I'm going to leave now. Yeah. It's like you get a takeaway from it you get to like be involved and participate in this thing that somebody created and like so one of the girls from the leprechaun hunt it was her birthday that day and she's awesome. like we're doing this every year for my birthday <laughs> like i'm it's in stone this is what we're doing so i like the ones where you get to watch people love what you're doing and like really grow in it and like create the memories there
3: yeah and you, i like, think watch the, it happen. kind of piggyback on that with sarah the Um, curiosity club that we do here that was something that Matt who is one of our founders was really passionate about he comes from a family of cabinet makers and just because we all kind of have a component of makers and doers in us that was something he was passionate about bringing to the tasting room was the opportunity to bring back dying arts Uh, and maybe not so much dying arts but arts that people have kind of put aside for more mainstream activities and the soap makers, the cheese makers, mm-hmm. the goat and hammer with all of their oh, stuff. Um, we've yeah. had a, a wood carver oh, come into the cool. space, a banjo
1: maker, banjo what? maker, um, a taxidermist. What um, I cannot
2: with Kimmy I, with the taxidermy. The, I <laughs> love the herbal, the taxidermy. We, we had an
3: herbalist come in that kind of yeah. Lorna.
2: Lorna actually runs like a free medicinal clinic. That for the homeless community and the things that she, we actually had two women, one moved away and one is, I don't really know what she, she's doing freelance something, but they, both of them also apprenticed under Lorna to be herbalists and have served the homeless community. And it's just really interesting, but it's all from this. Yeah.
1: This month we have a puppeteer.
2: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's kind of all over the place. Like but you, But the, don't really know the
3: opportunity happening. to provide a space for people to come and share their craft with others that have interest in it, um, it really kind of promotes the community feeling that we had hoped to embody at Eventide. So those are, while I love the big events, I mean, who doesn't love to stand on a pedestal and feel like that they are on top of the world, but... I truly do love the more intimate, you know, 10 to 15 people all sitting around learning something. You Not know, like you would have sat around your grandmother's kitchen table to learn how to make a cake. Like it's the same level of intensity from people that could do it with their eyes closed and are very skilled at what they do. So I really enjoy those as well.
2: I that's think, really cool. I think mine...
3: You would love the events. I know. That's the I'd... big also... events.
2: Well... Like, the anniversary party was blew my mind. Ooh, that was intense. It, I, it was, was fun to
1: watch, but from behind the bar, you're like,
2: "That was oh. these people do not fit. But also, <laughs> well, like, physically. She's saying physically fit.
1: Yeah, um, yes. In the building. <laughs> it was,
2: and that, that was, it, like, even I almost cried, I think. But after the end of it, I've never felt so, like, I fucking did it. You know what I mean? But I think... Like, the most rewarding events, so, like, I love those events because it's just, like, pure chaos, and it's fun, and everybody. It's just an adrenaline rush. Yeah, but I think the most rewarding events are, again, we were in event space before SB85 passed, and so I, when I first started, my, like, I, my goal was, like, I'm going to fill our books, and we're going to make some money. And I came up with this, like, really, like, not super lucrative way for us to host fundraisers, but there was opportunity for us to make money if the nonprofit did well. but really. It was just like, how do we immerse ourselves in our community immediately? Yeah. And so we had this really awesome fundraising fundraising structure that for the first year filled our books, and then and then weddings started filling our books, and so we kind of like balanced it out. And now it like it makes no sense for us to host fundraisers that we did. So now it's kind of transitioned into Totes Tuesdays, where we do a ten percent give back every other Tuesday to different nonprofits. But that was it was so interesting because. Every nonprofit has a different demographic. There were people from all over the city and, like, outside of the city that would come here. And a lot of them wouldn't even drink beer, but they would just be here to support the nonprofit, and they would be a part of our space, and they would love us, again, being immersed in the community. It was just that was, that was my – emotionally, that's the most fulfilling, I think. And then, like – so, like anniversary party <laughs> nice. so what sorts
4: of events do you guys have coming up for like end of september october getting into the fall
2: like, um in october 20th we're planning another scavenger hunt with in conjunction with the grant park neighborhood association um and that is like a bar crawl instagram scavenger hunt yes during the day And then that will lead into a Halloween party at night. And so, if you participate in the scavenger hunt, you get free admission to the Halloween party that evening.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
2: that's that's fun. And then, for that's it. Like for right now, outside of beer releases,
4: um, what what beer releases are happening? If That's something you can talk about right now. So we have a couple um,
3: that will be released in the tasting room only. And then we have one coming out in the fall that will actually be tasting room and market available. So we have a rye IPA Mm. that is coming up um, and should still be available after this airs. Um, We're pretty pumped about it. Um, And we have a hoppy golden ale that will be coming out in the tasting room. We have a, a small tank that we've started
1: um tiny tank tiny tank tiny tank that um (laughs) (laughs) creates
3: um a lot of extra not it's not necessarily one-offs but it kind of helps fill the pipeline and round out our portfolio here plus it gives our brewer and assistant brewer the opportunity to kind of flex their muscles on what they know and what they really can do Um, the one that i am most excited about is an imperial red ale Mm -hmm. Which is like our red-headed Haley on steroids. It's gonna be about 8.5%. It's gonna have a lot of the same flavors um, or the underlying flavor profile that you get from the red-headed Haley, Um, but much more robust. And that is one that will come to the market as well as the tasting room. And we
2: also have, out of Tiny Tank, we have different versions of the Grant Park sour, which is, I, I mean, that's. I feel like that. we're again? Like winning, we make a sour, <laughs> and it's a it's a different version of itself every time. So like right now, it's blackberry. Oh, it was mango guava. It's Amazing, so
1: good. Yeah. Oh and, my. And gosh. it's really pretty. Ooh. It is. It's gorgeous. It's it's like it's like fuchsia. Mm. Mm. That's it sounds like fuchsia.
3: You definitely it's fuchsia. need to have a sample before you leave. Yes, yeah. Yeah. even
4: like if you have a race. lunch meeting. I was gonna tell you I'm not leaving here without trying it, but yeah. I didn't want to be that forward. I know.
0: we're all very forward. Cool. Well, um, so we're gonna move on to like more. We're gonna do like the more fun, rapid fire-ish questions. Um, we'll start. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to overthink it. They're just fun, an- fun answers, fun questions. Um, so, what <laughs> beer got you interested in craft beer?
3: Embarrassingly, oh, it's no.
0: There's no shame.
3: It was. I think it's called Wild Blue. It's a blueberry purple beer with this. Blueberry looking bulldog on yes. the front of it. Ooh, never that had was that. one of my first ones too. It um, cruising the streets of Total Wine. It seemed <laughs> like the it seemed like the one that called me, and um, I, I realized that I don't like blueberry beer very much. Um, I actually <laughs> prefer red ales. Um, fortunately, there was one of those right next to it that I happened to have grabbed <laughs> to redeem myself. Um, but the very first one that I ever had that I would consider like a true craft. Um, and by definition, I don't even know that wild blue falls into true craft. But um, that was the first one.
2: Nice. <laughs> Maybe it was at the time because that definition's changed. Yeah, we'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> I, I was in Charlotte. Why are looking at me? Because I want
1: you to know. Oh, I was like, okay. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. How do you know you weren't we can, there? We can pretend I was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> what was yours? Oh, God, I... It was even out of course. I she told you. True. No, I, I cut my teeth on beer with, like, bringing my own Heineken to frat parties. My lady. Of fr- oh, yeah, I was classy. Um, <laughs> I still drink Heineken.
3: Oh, wait, was this our first beer no, and not our I'm first craft about, beer?
1: No, I'm just thinking about my, like, oh, transition into... Oh, because mine was into... Milwaukee's
3: best, and I was, like, five. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, mine was, like, a Bud Light. That's a later mine. question.
1: <laughs> mine was Bud Light, and I was six. Yeah, look at us go. We were together. Um... And I can just, like, I was just crappy, be- not cra- it was just not craft beer for a very long time. And then I, truth be told, I am a whiskey drinker, so yeah, I wasn't, like, trying all the different craft beers. And then I moved to Colorado, and it's just... Everywhere. It is, but there was this one tiny brewery in the tiny ski town, which I never left, um, that I totally fell in love with, and they have this coconut porter that's award-winning and, like... <sighs> This other also, I really hate ginger, but they have this ginger pale ale that is the only mm. thing I've ever liked ginger in, um, and they don't distribute anywhere other than like that town. So it, I leaving there broke my heart, that specific place. But that was like the biggest, most memorable experience with craft beer before moving here, I guess. I'd be sad
3: over losing a good coconut porter oh God, too. That porter yeah.
1: makes me want to cry. <laughs> Cherry
3: Street has an amazing coconut porter. If they hear this,
1: broken compass, send me some beer, please.
0: (laughs) I know, right? I really miss you. Oh my gosh. They can send you
1: e-samples.
4: I'm gonna like I'm gonna send them this podcast and be like, y'all. I talk about you. I talk about you.
0: Yep. Sephora, I've been talking about you for a while, so send me samples. Oh, we're going down that road. No. (laughs) (laughs) Aria. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, so um, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, If you could have a beer with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what beer do you think they would like?
3: I totally have this one. This has been a very consistent answer since I was probably five, though it wasn't that we were going to have a beer. It was probably like, do they want chocolate milk or plain milk? But I would love more than anything to sit down and have a beer with Amelia Earhart. And it it would be a strong... Dark strong Belgian beer, something that just really um boozy. Or after she I ah i, I want i, I w- like what I want to after? be in the plane with her when it's going down. Oh, yeah. I want to be having but a beer van there, <laughs> there, were
0: pictures um, of her, there were pictures of her just like uncovered in Japan they oh, think that she was like there's
3: captured. actually a new article which that came out mentioned. that they're pretty confident like, that they found her remains uh, so, which I think is. Um, kind of tragic but also really cool that there's closure yeah. yes yeah. yeah so just I think in her time what she was doing is a lot like we are kind of seeing craft beer like the women movement in craft beer I mean she was really making strides to moving into what was a male dominated field and I just ever since I was a little kid she's always been like my hero. Yeah. Um. And so the opportunity to just sit down and have a beer with her and talk about how did you start doing this? You know, when were your uncomfortable moments? What did you do to uncover? you know, to overcome those? And also, what's it look like you know, did you, did you stage your own disappearance? Those kind of things. Yeah. So, like, I got a lot of
4: questions. Yeah. Um,
3: and, you know, if you're having a dark, strong Belgian, there's enough alcohol in it, you're probably going to get your answers. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, the desert island is actually, uh, um, uh, Amelia Earhart is actually perfect for the next question of, if you were stranded on a desert island, what would be your, your one beer, if you could only have one? Oh. Give me
0: that coconut porter of y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That or That'd be a great island.
4: Which a
3: lot of people don't don't really go to porters and stouts as like their beach beers Mm -hmm. or island beers. But they're surprisingly like low Mm -hmm. in alcohol typically Mm -hmm. and pretty easy to drink in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. So,
0: I mean, as long as you're okay having cases and cases of it on a deserted island with you until you get discovered, I think (gasps) it counts. I know exactly what I would have. Ooh! Oh,
2: my goodness. (laughs) So there's this brewery in Huntersville, North Carolina called Ass Clown. And they make, I'm not kidding you, and they make this orange citrus IPA. And before I moved here, that was like when, it, and they could like self distribute. And the owner of AskCon was like the kindest man ever to my 24 year old clusterfuck ass. And I would like forget to order beer and he'd bring it to me like the day of and be like a Friday. And I'm oh like, gosh. thank you for saving me. Um, but the beer, it was just like the most perfect IPA. Ah, oh, it was so good. That's awesome. And also like great name. Clown.
3: Oh God. I think I'd I'd need to pick two.
2: I, I don't yeah, think I could
3: I go I could with just one. one. We'll yeah. allow it. Yeah, it's, so it's allowed. I, I would definitely want our redheaded Haley. Like that's that is my delicious one. It's that's so my good. go-to I beer, and it's it. you yeah. can drink it year-round. Though it's our fall offering, it's certainly it's like really really easy to drink. And then because I'm at the mm-hmm. beach you know, stuck on an island, I would want something that's more citrusy. I don't even know that i found it yet, but I really like Anderson Valley's Blood Orange Goza. Ooh, like that one, that's a, that's a good, good river one. beer. I feel like it could transition well to a stranded island. I don't know if I'd want it for the rest of my life. Good thing we'll have the red-headed Haley there too, it but
1: I, I like it. If I was stuck on an island for God knows how long, I'd, I'd drink anything on an yeah, this
3: is true.
1: I would drink.
3: drink the salt water. If
1: we get changed,
2: <laughs> do you remember when the citrus we had a, a keg, a random keg of Citrus growth come back? Can I say this? And it oh, turned yeah. into it turned into a Berliner Weiss, and I mean, damn, we had it for a Christmas party, and it was just so
1: good. Sometimes the mistakes are almost the best thing. Like, did something happen to the keg? But there's recently one of our brewers was like messing around making some beer in the ten gallon. Uh, Bruce or something. Mm-hmm. The hungry kit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he ended up making this like smoked pale ale. Oh yeah, that was really. Oh, good. My, God. Was so, oh mm. my God. It was so good. Have you tried it? Oh my God, it was so really good. I love a little yeah. mistake. Yeah. And I was like, we should make this on a bigger mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite
0: mistake. Awesome. What's your, uh, what's your guilty pleasure TV?
2: Hallmark Christmas movies and Frasier oh
0: sad well <laughs> oh, Frasier
2: is
4: not a guilty pleasure
0: that's just everybody oh. everybody loves Frasier but mostly Hallmark
2: Christmas I'm movies I'm you the Hallmark Christmas movies it started it's July it's every night can't stop one step go <gasps> <laughs> oh
1: anything oh, I can't believe I'm saying this in like public um, this isn't really public well it's gonna be public <laughs> right now it's private. okay well anything <laughs> okay. like fantasy sci-fi kind of stuff Ooh. like some Firefly or yeah. cool. some alright some old Vampire Diaries we can. That needs to end. Um, <laughs> oh, my acting coach was on that. Oh, all yeah. of like the really terrible. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, that's that's so famous. good. It's all filmed in Atlanta too. you got to watch the Vampire Diaries? Man
3: Man no. I don't no. have cable. And Netflix. Um, We're on Netflix. What about grew up without having TV, so this is kind of a hard question. But Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Always down for. Oh my gosh. Teenage. Our house is really more of a music yes. house. So you walk in and tell Alexa to start playing something and it plays until you go to bed. And then when you get up the next morning, it starts playing again. So that. um my you, my guilty pleasure would just
1: it's be not music.
2: Alexa, it's just Nathan. Yeah. Yes. Can we tell yes. Alexa
1: to do something so everyone listening, Alexa will like start playing. <laughs>
4: um, what color do you guys think you look best in?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, judging by my wardrobe, I'm going to go with black because <laughs> I pretty much wear black every day, every day. So much so that when I started working in a children's hospital, they were very concerned about <laughs> really I wear black clothes
1: every day. Um, but it's so easy. You don't have to think about yeah. what you're wearing unless the shades of and black what, don't match.
3: That's okay. You yeah. just say, this is black and gray. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is black and off black. This is charcoal and black. It Works.
1: It's like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. That's about green. Green. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Nice. Various shades of teal and purple. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about this because really I grew up no, like you can't wear red, you can't wear pink, you can't wear orange. So, you can wear whatever the hell you want. I just live yes. in my little green bubble. <laughs>
4: Awesome. I think this is a great last question. Oh, I totally
0: skipped this one. Okay, cool. So if you were to describe yourself as a style of beer, what would you be and why?
3: I'm just going to be a tap wall. I'm kind of (laughs) like a mixed bag of beer. I mean, you never really know what you're going to get. So yeah, I'm just going to be a tap wall. I like it. An eclectic mix.
0: The chocolate box of beers. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I mean, don't mix them all together and drink it. That's
0: <laughs> bad, you know, but. I used to do that with the sodas as a kid. <laughs> After school. What are you?
1: <laughs> I just don't know why you're looking at me. I just don't know what you are. Me? Yeah. I'm going to probably go with the Imperial Redhead Heaven Pale Yep. Oh, yeah. Or the Imperial Red Ale. Yeah. Do we have a name for it yet? It's just
3: an Imperial Red.
1: Okay, we're going to go with red and kind of like a cookie, but we'll kick you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think that's something? a fair description. Yeah.
3: Yep.
1: Are you going to be like a 14 percenter? Yeah. Like uh, put uh, you on your ass? <laughs> 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 What's
3: the little baby alpha beer?
1: Barley wine.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love a barley wine. My dad, there's a brewery, like my dad lives in Columbia and there's a brewery like right down the street from it and they released like a really limited release of barley wine and he'll like wait in line for me to get it. Um, yeah, I'd say a barley wine. Cool. Because like you drink it. it in a small quantity,
4: but it's a big punch. Yeah, it's you it's know? a little bit sweet. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much for doing this with Thank us. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks for us. Thank so you for, for coming down. Yeah. I'm sweating.
0: Thank you all so much for listening. As you heard, Eventide always has something new going on, and it's listed on their Facebook page.
4: I'm most excited for the Grant Park Haunted Hunt. I love a good scavenger
0: hunt. It's going to be so much fun. And we'll be back in two weeks with another lady in beer, and we hope you'll join us. Cheers. Cheers.